I'm Denzel Muhammad, and welcome to Jobmakers. What is social entrepreneurship? According to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, social entrepreneurship is the process by which individuals, startups, and entrepreneurs develop and fund solutions that directly address social issues. A social entrepreneur, therefore, is a person who explores business opportunities that have a positive impact on their community, in society, or the world. For Artur Sousa, immigrant from Brazil and founder and CEO of Adopets, a pet adoption platform that simplifies the work done by shelters and improves the pet adoption experience, fixing problems and doing good in the world is his business model unnecessary bureaucracy in the adoption process led him to create a platform that today has more than 40,000 registered users and maintains more than 300,000 adoption listings. Artur is a problem solver, and his series of businesses and technologies have proven that. But he's keenly aware of the factors that enabled him to succeed in the United States that not every immigrant experiences. The American dream, as he says, is not always fair to everyone. He shares with us how Opportunity, capitalism, circumstance, and a rescue pup successfully aligned in this week's Job Makers. Artur Sosa, founder and CEO of Adapets. Welcome to Job Makers. How are you? I am good. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure. So tell me a little bit about your business. It's very unique, right? I would like to think so. Uh, <laughs> we we chose um, to build our journey within the um, pet adoption space. Um, basically, we started because my wife and I decided to adopt a pet. We saw um, quite a few bureaucratic pieces of the adoption process that were very manual, very paper-heavy, um, at that point, and we thought that we could be of help. I've always been involved in technology in one way or another. I thought that we could maybe help out um, an organization that we had been working with. And once we did it, it became a little bit more of a thing and was like, well, maybe it can actually be a system that can serve the space in general, not just a little side project for um, an organization that we were supporting. Um, and then with that in mind, Adopets was born at that point. Our focus really is on optimizing the adoption experience. Um, the way we present ourselves is as a shelter, animal shelter, that is, but shelter efficiency platform. Um, so we're focusing really on the flow of their visitors all the way through um, meeting animals to adopting animals, submitting their interests to those animals, signing contracts, paying adoption fees, and so on and so on. Um, so it really covers the entire spectrum of the adoption process, whether it's a um, actual animal shelter with the animals right there in a building or a foster-based rescue with animals spread around volunteer houses and so on. I see. So you you encountered a problem and you decided to fix it. And out of that, a perfectly beautiful business was born. And this is not your first business either, is it? No, it isn't. I've, I've been a little obsessed with it, fixing things. <laughs> Tell me <laughs> um, more about that. Life. Um, I think uh, um, if I look back, and that's not an observation that I do often, but when I look back to the business journey, 
um, it has always been born in that same context. A problem that annoyed me um, and that I thought maybe I could fix um, and that I had a specific type of passion for the outcome. Um, so if I look at the very, very first one, um, when we were working, I was working with a nonprofit, a very large nonprofit in Brazil, and the way we were project managing the projects that we have um, was very inefficient. We had a really large staff, mostly volunteers, um, to run the operations for the organization. So I decided to optimize that through a series of uh, process-driven platforms. Um, and that very first project created a whole other universe in, in my, my mind and journey and career then, um, because it, we just reduced their general staffing 95%, but we doubled the outcome from an impact-wise just by being professionally organized. Um, and that kind of triggered me into this social impact area of things. And I was just wanting to, what if we could do something, but we have some money in return, um, and that makes us do even more, and then it just makes this scalable model. I didn't know that was social entrepreneurship at the time, mind you, but um, it ended up being um, what let me led me to actually to the U.S. to get a master's um, in social entrepreneurship much later than that, but um, eventually was a cause. So take us back to, uh, you mentioned Brazil, and that's where you were born. Um, paint us a picture. What was life like back in Brazil when you were growing up? Back home, it, I, I never really spent more than a year in one place, right? So from a financial standpoint, was always moving to a new place. I had never, until college, I had never spent more than a year in the same school because we would move and go to a new place because, you know, um, mom couldn't always afford rent and then we had to go into a new place there. Um, we never, you know, there are many struggles in the world and I don't don't think mine was the worst there could be, um, but they, it, it had an impact. Um, it had an impact in which, you know, I've actually gotten used to never settled and always keep moving and, 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 and from place to place. Um, in, in Brazil, just college I spent in five different universities across five different states, just transferring when I would get bored and go to a new place. Because it really gets you used to that movement. You you get, you know, as a defense mechanism that you know, I've got to move. I'm done with this place. got to go to a new one. So anyway, I think Brazil was, it's still the place that I need to go to recharge my soul when I feel um, um, empty. Wow. That's that's quite incredible, and and the the idea of of constantly moving, obviously, you moved to the U.S., which was a huge move. Uh, you said you did that to further your education and career. What was the experience like when you first moved here? It was weird at first. I was very <laughs> excited, but I was um, well. I didn't have, especially with the with the foreign exchange coming from Brazil. Um, I didn't have all the funds that would require for it comfortable stay during the master's and it was a full-time master's degree so it wasn't like I could be working I wouldn't be able to work either way from a business standpoint if I could so I came with uh, my suitcase and stayed there for my master's um, at first it was really weird to not fully understand uh, the language um, I had gotten enough that I had the the um, grades for qualification from an English standpoint, but because I studied very, very hard, not because I actually had domain over the language. 
Um, so at first, a lot of the things in classes, I would understand them a lot more by context because I had been working for a long time, not by the the textbook um, or, or, or the, the teachers. But that lasted for a couple of months. I had made a, a hard decision to not actually be with any Brazilian friends while in the US. So I would only hang out with English speaking ones because it would force me to be more comfortable with the language. And that really helped over time. I can't imagine going to do a master's degree without having mastered the language that you were going to do that degree in. I mean, that must have been a really, you said weird, it, it must, but it must have been a struggle those first few months. What motivates you most of all? Is it fixing problems and making, you know, just things easier for people? That is one of the things. I think fixing problems is just on, on my personality. Um, to a point that um, I'm, I keep doing new things over time because once my business gets to a point of stability and more you know, bureaucratic arrangement from a corporate standpoint, it's not for me anymore. So I like to be in the mass and fixing things. Um, um, that's one big part of my personality. But the, the other part is one boss. <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. I had a boss in, in Boston that I loved and he, he was very, very good to me. Um, and he's still a good friend. And he, one day he told me that I was fundamentally unmanageable. I really like, and I took that as a, as a, one of my biggest compliments in life, mind you, because I, I don't, I, I like thing. I like things that I can fix. I like going and experimenting and, and getting it wrong and breaking things and then fixing them again and seeing the best path for it. Um, and in that sense, I don't always or have never, quite frankly, fit into a box in which I would just do the predetermined things that had been assigned to me. I always go beyond. Um, and, and entrepreneurship is the best place for that. So as a social entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur, talk us through the start of your current business. You mentioned that it was a bureaucratic problem that you wanted to solve. But get us into the sort of the nuts and bolts of the genesis of the business? The application process to adopt a pet um, um, varies from organization to organization, from state to state, city to city. It all uh, varies quite a bit. Um, but it's overall a, a time-consuming, paper-heavy um, process that uh, relies on a lot of really loving, caring animal people that are behind these organizations, usually underpaid, if paid at all, um, helping animals um, that don't always have the time to do the process in, a, in the most efficient way. When you're looking at a, an adoption individually, we might be talking about you know, a few hours um, of time if you put together what the staff's time and the adopter's time to get the adoption concluded. It doesn't sound all that much, but when you go to other organizations who have a partner, for instance, in New Zealand, that processes 40,000 adoptions a year. So if you have a couple of hours that you're taking away from 40,000, you're taking 80,000 hours away just by using a system that simplifies it and takes the process to a more um, automatic approach of triggering uh, um, um, communications and so on, you're basically saving um, so much time that gives you the ability to save more animals. So that was the math behind the efficiency there. What we had to focus on was like, all right, so how do we make this um, from a monetization standpoint and from a scalability standpoint, a practical answer? And it took a while. 
um, for the majority of the time that I was built, not majority anymore, but for the first two years of Autopet, I was building that um, while having a job. And at that point, we already had 70 members in the in the organization, but I was still with my day job on 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 the side until 2018 when I quit. And then I quit um, in 2018. We moved up to Maine, and then my entire focus has been being on the business. And that's when we really focus on scale. And I keep saying on the blessing side because I believe that there's got to be some universe plan out there because, you know, to the tra- tragedy that the pandemic was uh, for society as a whole, um, if I can't put a pin on that side for a minute, the pandemic for the business really propelled it. Um, because when the pandemic hit, they didn't have a choice. They needed to go online and nobody had been doing that at all. And we were right there. We were ready to go. We were already there. Society was not from a using digital tools for the adoption of animals. And then they caught up. And then we were right in the, in the right place at the right time. Um, and You were perfectly we positioned to, to, to deal with this pandemic and the fact that everyone wanted to have pets all of a sudden. Fair. <laughs> Give us the numbers. What's what's the impact that your business has have, has had over the years? Ooh. So last year alone, we had seventy thousand adoptions going through the system. We are serving clients in Australia, in New Zealand, in the in Canada and the U.S. Haven't gotten to Brazil quite yet. Um, still a goal. Um, we had about um, at any given time about seventy to 100,000 animals available for adoption through our platform um, in majority of the U.S. states um, in there. Um, and I will send you a note after this complete because it's still confidential, but we are about to go into a really big change um, in, in the coming weeks um, with another partner in the, in the space. Uh, the United States is sort of inherently entrepreneurial. I mean, we it, it was built on that kind of spirit and I like to say that immigrants themselves are inherently entrepreneurial because they take a risk. They don't know if it's going to be better or worse. Uh, they pack a suitcase, leave everything they know behind and, and start afresh in someplace new. What do you think makes the United States special when it comes to being a business owner, an entrepreneur? The American dream um, story, right, uh, that was built as a story first. Um, it actually is a realistic approach that can be taken. It is still an unfair approach, you know, depending on your race, depending on your origins, depending on your language. It's not fair to all how the American dream plays out. I, I say this in a very sad way. Uh, I am white in the sense that if I don't speak, people don't even know that I'm a foreigner. They don't even guess that I'm a foreigner. And it's a horrible thing, but that plays out in the U.S., plays out positively because of how the society is wired um, around the U.S. So I had many opportunities that came because um, I wasn't really facing a biased approach prior to it. I had to make some changes. We were just joking before the call about that, but I would never send an email as Artur. I would always send an email as Arthur. But putting all of that aside... There is an opportunity. There is an opportunity where entrepreneurship is actually highly glorified in the U.S. That taking risks is actually a mundane thing. It's not a this 
uh, when you're born in a Catholic country, a heavily Catholic country, is you know you want to have that little routine and you have the most stable job and the things. And and the U.S. is not so much about that um, as as I believe some of the um, Hispanic countries get to be or Latino countries like my own um, get to be um, culturally. And, and we are all about that pursuing the dream, and that's powerful. Whether or not we get to realize it, whether or not it gets to materialize for most people is the source of the debate, and we can talk about that forever. But the pursuit of the dream really drives people. Um, the idea of coming here and giving her all because of that really well-told American dream story um, actually gets you places. It's very little because of the American dream, but a lot more because of your effort, in my opinion, and because you are pursuing it. You're pursuing the idea of it. So you're building your dream, not necessarily because the society is built out in a way that helps you get there, because let's be honest, it doesn't. Right? Finding funding, depending on your color, depending on your race, depending where you're from, um, it is very different. Now, if you are, and I'm sorry if I'm being too direct about this, Denzel, um, but if you are, you know, a white kid that graduated at MIT, you get funding like this. You get funding with an idea before getting anything. Now, if you are a Latino entrepreneur or an African uh, of origin entrepreneur or a Black entrepreneur, um, you actually get, or even Middle Eastern entrepreneurs too, like you get to have a lot more of a uh, hoops to navigate through. There are many funds there have been popping out. They're more focused on diversity and other things, but that's still a minority compared to the other venture capital funds and other things. So uh, the 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 pursuit has to be what's driving you because it's not really uh, the, the context that is getting you there. It's you really not dropping it, not giving up on it. And I think immigrants in general are very good at that because they already gave up all they knew coming here. So there is no choice. There is no going back at that point. You're just, is it or make it or make it? There's, there's no safety net. There's yep. nothing to fall back on there. You don't have your parents' house to, to crash in if, yep. if you enter a bad patch. You just, you have to make it work regardless of, of what you encounter. And I really appreciate the very nuanced and detailed um, way you painted the pursuit of the American dream and how it's different for different people. Um, a lot of people like to ignore that, these facts, that it is harder for some people uh, based on very superficial things. I want to pull it back a little bit we did some research in the greater Boston area and found that Brazilian immigrants from Brazil had the highest rate of self-employment. Up to 27% of Brazilians in greater, greater Boston said they were self-employed. This is incorporated cool. and not incorporated businesses. What's, what is with that? What, was, what is it about Brazilians and starting businesses? When I think about Latino entrepreneurs in general, not just Brazilian, we usually are talking about really resourceful people that that really make things happen in a, in a MacGyver way before they are there and you're just improvising and, and getting it there because of your drive. Um, I think Latinos are very driven people generally on on being better to their families, to themselves. I am happy that you are here in the U.S. I'm happy that you are making positive changes. I'm happy that you are creating jobs. You currently employ 33 people. Um, and to date, uh, you've employed hundreds. So you are a job creator. You are an indispensable member of this com of our community. And thank you for creating jobs and, and being innovative. 
are kind of you. And thank you for having me here. Thank you for the work you do on on bringing uh, you know immigrants to the spotlight, um, so we all are more comfortable to the contributions that um, immigrants build in this in the country and how much we are actually a country of immigrants all together um building this together arthur sosa uh founder ceo of adopets uh thank you so much for joining us on the job makers podcast thank you for having me um and if i can be of any help to anyone out there let me know JobMakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this week's powerful story of immigrant entrepreneurship. Remember, you can subscribe to JobMakers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, leave us a rating and a review. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another JobMakers. Thank you.